if there is a man among ye, you'll come up and fight like the man ye are to be. Mary Reed. Violin Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Violin Vice. My name is Audie. And I'm John John. If you guys could do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, write a review, and leave us five stars. This really helps the podcast out. I don't know why, but it does, and we'd really, really appreciate it. I'm sure it's like algorithm stuff or whatever. Yeah, and I, I mean, it does take a little bit to sign in to write a review, but it takes a lot longer to write stuff for the podcast, so we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And speaking of which, we have the contest winner to announce today for doing all of that, and it's Grifter62, which I believe is dad, isn't it? I think so. I don't know. I haven't followed his logon stuff, so. So if that is you, (laughs) we will be reaching out here shortly, and you have won a sweatshirt with our Violin Vice logo on it. And we'll be twinsies. Yep, and you'll be twinsies with John John, so you're welcome. But hopefully you like it and everything, and we'll be reaching out here shortly for it. Yay. Woo! So, John John, we're actually back recording together this week. Yeah. Isn't it fun? It is, but it was weird without somebody to talk to. I I felt like I was at work talking to myself again. <laughs> I know, right? It was it was a little bit odd, but I, I think we did pretty good with that. Yeah, I, I particularly like that it was funny subjects and not scary ones. It's just so. easier and lighthearted to do that way. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are we doing today, Audie? If you couldn't tell by today's quote, we are covering... Another pirate queen. Actually, three pirate queens. I did kind of shallow dives on each, but they are complete badasses, and I'm so excited because I love doing Grace O'Malley. If you couldn't tell, I talked really fast that episode, but I just absolutely loved her. So I love these guys, too, and I can't wait to tell you all about them. And I've heard of some of these because I play Assassin's Creed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun game. It is a fun, historically accurate game. For the most part. For the most most part, part. yeah. They add stuff. They they do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the pirates we are covering today are Anne Bonny, Mary Reed, and Sadie the Goat. And (laughs) I know... I'm still having fun with the name Sadie the Goat. <laughs> I know. It's, she's great. And Drunk History did a, a episode on her with Kat Dennings, and it's absolutely hilarious. I love it. You were talking about that earlier, and I am enthused to go watch. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's just great. All right. But who are we starting with, Adi? We are starting with Anne Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie's birth date is speculated to be around 1700. She is said to be born in Old Head of Kinsale in County Cork, Ireland. 
She was the daughter of the servant woman Mary Brennan and Brennan's employer, lawyer, William Cormack. Bonnie's father, William Cormack, first moved to London to get away from his wife's family, and he began dressing his daughter as a boy and calling her Andy. When Cormack's wife discovered William had taken the illegitimate daughter and was bringing up, up the child to be a lawyer's clerk and dressing her as a boy, she stopped giving him an allowance. Cormack then moved to the province of Carolina, taking along his former serving girl, the mother of Bonnie. Bonnie's father abandoned the original Mick prefix of the family name to blend more easily into the Charlestown citizenry. At first, the family had a rough start in their new home, but Cormac's knowledge of law and the ability to buy and sell goods soon financed a townhouse and eventually the, a plantation just outside of town. Bonnie's mother, however, died when she was just 12, and her father attempted to establish himself as a an attorney, but did not do so well during this time. Eventually, however, he joined the more profitable merchant business and accumulated a substantial fortune. It is recorded that Bonnie had red hair and was considered a good catch, but may have had a very fiery temper. At the age 13, she supposedly stabbed a servant girl with a knife. She then put a man in the hospital in a pretty bad condition after he had attempted to rape her. So she was kind of a badass, like, as now, a young kid. Yeah, but, okay, Charlestown, was that in the U.S., or yeah, is that still... Charlestown oh. is in Carolina. Okay. They think it's Charleston now, right? Probably. Not, not town anymore. But it was so, still the province of Carolina at the time. So she... Left with her dad to London, and then from there they went to Carolina, and they started setting up shop in, like, the colonies. Yep. And she stabbed a person. She stabbed one of the servants for an unknown reason, and then also put a man in the hospital after he attempted to rape her. I kind of want to know why the... Like, what was the reason to go to the hospital? Like, was it also stabbing, or was it something else entirely? Like, a really good gut punch. I think she just beat him pretty, pretty bad. And that was at 13. That was at thir uh, around 13, yes. Hmm. Starting off early with the badass stuff. Yeah, pre pretty much. All right, all right, all right. Continue. She fell in love and married a poor sailor and small-time pirate named James Bonney. James hoped to win possession of his father-in-law's estate, but Bonnie was disowned by her father. Anne's father did not approve of James Bonney as a husband for his daughter, and he kicked Anne out of their house. Anne then proceeded to burn down her father's plantation. However, it is some time between 1714 and 1718 that she and James Bonney moved to Nassau on the new Providence Island known as a sanctuary for English pirates called the Republic of Pirates. Is it Nassau? I believe Nassau. N-A-S-S-U. Because oh. I think, yeah, that was a place in Assassin's Creed. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm like catching this back up to what I know from that. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
So many inhabitants received a king's pardon, otherwise evaded the law. It is also recorded that after the arrival of Governor Woods Rogers in the summer of 1718, James Bonney became an informant for the governor. James Bonney would then report to the Governor Rogers about pirates in the area, which resulted in a multitude of these pirates being arrested. Anne highly disliked the work her husband did for Governor Rogers. While in the Bahamas, Bonnie began mingling with pirates in taverns. She then met the pirate John Calico Jack Rackman, and he became her lover. He offered money to her husband James Bonnie if he would divorce her, but her husband refused and apparently threatened to beat Bonnie for the affair. In August of 1720, Anne Bonnie abandoned her husband and assisted Rackman in commandeering the sloop William from the Nassau Harbor on New Providence. Along with a dozen others, the pair began pirating merchant vessels along the coast of Jamaica. Rackman's decision to have Bonnie accompany him was highly unusual as women were considered bad luck aboard a ship. She disguised herself as a man on the ship, and only Rackman and Mary Reed were aware that she was a woman. Until it became clear that she was pregnant, Rackman then landed her on Cuba, where she gave birth to a son. It's said that she gave the son to some of Rackman's family, otherwise she abandoned him with the people on Cuba. She then rejoined Rackman and continued the pirate life, having divorced her husband and married Rackman while at sea. Bonnie, Rackman, and Reed stole the ship William, then at anchor, then at anchor in Nisu, and put it out to sea. Rackman and the two women recruited a new crew. Their crew spent years in Jamaica and the surrounding area. Bonnie took part in combat alongside men, and Governor Rogers named her a wanted pirate and circled her drawing published in the Boston Newsletter. She dressed like a man while she fought, drank and swore like one too. Captured sailors reported at, that after their vessels were taken by the pirates, it was the two women, Bonnie and Mary Reed, the later who had joined the crew by then, who urged the crewmates on to greater acts of bloodshed and violence. Some of these sailors testified against her even at trial. According to the legend, Bonnie, dressed as a man, felt a strong attraction to Mary Reed, who was also dressed like a man, and revealed herself as a woman in hopes of seducing Reed. Reed then confessed that she was a woman, too. The reality may have been that Bonnie and Reed most likely met in Nassau as they were preparing to sh the ship to ship out with Rackman. They were very close, perhaps even lovers. They would wear women's clothes on board, but change into men's clothes when a fight was in store. By October 1720, Rackman, Reed, and Bonnie and their new crew were infamous in the Caribbean, and in desperation, Governor Woods Rogers authorized pi privateers to hunt and capture them and other pirates for bounties. A heavily armed sloop belonging to Captain Jonathan Burnett, caught up with Rackman's ship when their pirates had been out drinking, and after a small exchange of cannon and small arms fire, they surrendered. When ca the capture was imminent, only Anne and Mary fought against Burnett's men, swearing at their crewmates to come out from under the decks and fight. 
The trials of Rackman, Bonnie, and Reed caused a sensation. Rackman and the other male pirates were swiftly found guilty, and he was hanged with four other men at Gallows Point in Port Royal on November 18, 1720. Reportedly, he was allowed to see Bonnie before his execution, and she said to him, I'm sorry to see you here, but if you had fought like a man, you needn't be hanged like a dog. Bonnie and Reed were also found guilty on November 28th and sentenced to hang. At that point, they both declared they were pregnant. The execution was then postponed, and it was found out to be true that the women were indeed pregnant. Mary Reed died in prison about five months later. What happened to Anne Bonnie, however, is uncertain. Like her early life, her later life is now lost in shadow. Captain Johnson's book first came out in 1724, so her trial was still fairly recent news while he was writing it, and he only says of her, she continued in prison to the time of her lying in, and afterwards reprived from time to time. But what has become of her since, we cannot tell. Only this we know. She was not executed. So what really happened to Anne Bonnie? There were many versions of her fate, and no truly decisive proof in favor of any one of them. Some say she reconciled with her wealthy father, moved back to Charleston, remarried, and lived a respectable life into her 80s. Others say she remarried in Port Royal or Nassau and bore her new husband several children. Anne's impact on the world had been primarily cultural. As a pirate, she did not have a large impact because her pirate career only lasted a few years. Rackman was not an important pirate, mostly taking easy prey like fishing vessels and lightly armed traders. If not for Anne Bonney and Mary Reed, he would just be a footnote in pirate lore. But Anne had gained great historical stature in spite of her lack of distinction as a pirate. Her character has much to do with it. Not only was she one of the only few female pirates of history, but she was one of the diehards who fought and cursed harder than most of her male colleagues. Today, historians of everything from feminism to cross-dressing scour the available histories for anything about her Mary Reed. And no one knows how much of an influence Anna had on young women since her days of piracy. At a time when women were kept indoors, barred from freedom that men enjoyed, Anne went out on her own, left her father and husband, and lived as a pirate on the high seas on and off for a few years. Her greatest legacy is probably the romantic example of women who seized freedom when the opportunity presented itself, even if her reality was probably not nearly as romantic as people think. Still, though, pretty awesome. Yeah, no, she was great. She, yeah, there, <laughs> the stories of her on board just, like, swearing and cussing and, like, being just as gross as the guys on the ship were and just, you know, trying her best was what really got a lot of people. Sort of like the definition of a badass, fiery redhead. Yeah, basically. Awesome. Awesome. Still, though, how... I guess I, I don't really mean how did they get pregnant, but... How were they both pregnant right before they were supposed to be hanged? They said that they had a threesome with Calico Jack. Like, that uh, that was kind of typical. Yeah. Like, they but... were in a lover's triangle. Okay, but... 
Mary Reed was for sure pregnant because she died during either during childbirth or a fever from her pregnancy. And uh, Bonnie was questionable, but her father could have influenced that, I guess, okay. topic. So to sort of like one of them knew for sure that they were and the other one could also claim it at the same time in case they weren't. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's part of Assassin's Creed as well. Probably. Hmm. Hmm. That would postpone the hanging and give him more time to escape if they needed it. Yeah, but that was actually common for the day of, of if women were found guilty and sentenced to hang. A lot of them would claim pregnancy uh, so that they could have a bit more time to have the kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still, pretty smart move in that regard. Yeah. So, we heard about Anne Bonnie. Now, let's hear about Mary Reed's upbringing. Yeah. We kind of got some of the story, but... Yep. It's, it's like, wind it back a little bit. Yep. View from a different stuff. Yep, view from a different side. And a different lady who is just as awesome. But later became friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> All right. Mary Reed was born in the Kingdom of England in 1685. Her mother had married a sailor and had had a son. After her husband disappeared at sea, Mary's mother became pregnant after an extramarital love affair. Reed's mother attempted to hide the pregnancy by going to live with friends in the country. Shortly thereafter, her son then died, and she gave birth to Mary. In financial distress, her mother decided to disguise Mary as her dead son in order to receive monetary support from her late husband's mother. The grandmother was apparently fooled, and the mother and daughter lived on the inheritance into Mary's teen years. Dressed as a boy, Reed found work as a footboy and then employment on a ship. She later joined the British military, which was allied with Dutch forces against the French this could have been during the Nine Years' War, or during the War of the Spanish Succession. Reed, in male disguise, per- proved herself through battle, but fell in love with a Flemish soldier. When they married, she used their military commission and gifts from intrigued brethren in arms to acquire an inn named Diedre Hofenzers, the Three Horseshoes. And I probably butchered that pronunciation. Hey, it was a good try. Near Breda Castle in the Netherlands was her end. Upon her husband's early death, Reed resumed dressing in male clothes and military service in the Netherlands. With peace, however, there was no room for advancement, so she quit and boarded a ship bound for the West Indies. Reed's ship was then taken by pirates, whom she willingly joined. She accepted the king's pardon around 1718-1719, then took commission as a privateer but joined the crew in mutiny. In 1720, she joined, then joined the pirate John Calico Jack Rackman and his companion Anne Bonny, who both believed her to be a man. On the 22nd of August, 1720, the three stole an armed sloop named William from the port Nassau. Scholars are uncertain how the female pirates like Reed and Bonnie concealed their sex in a male-dominated environment. Some scholars, however, have theorized that the wearing of breeches by female pirates may have been either a method of hiding their identity 
or as simple as practical clothing that solidified their working place aboard the ship, among other seamen. When Bonnie told Reed that she was a woman, apparently because she was in love with her, Reed then revealed she was too a woman. To abate the jealousy of her lover, Rackman, who suspected romantic involvement between the two, Bonnie then told him that Reed was indeed a woman. Speculation over the relationship between Bonnie and Reed led to images depicting the two in a battle together. However, it was more likely that they were in a love triangle threesome between the three. A victim of pirates, Dorothy Thomas, left a description of both Reed and Bonnie. They wore men's trousers, jackets, and handkerchiefs tied to their heads. And each of them had a machete and a pistol in their hands, and they cursed and swore at the men to murder her, Dorothy Thomas. Thomas also recorded that she knew that they were a woman, from the largest, from how big their boobs were, the largeness of her breasts. That might be a, a dead giveaway, but you know, some guys have conditions, like in that movie Fight Club, where a guy can have that, so. Yeah. But I, I think it's very less likely. Un- yeah, very very unlikely and much more likely it's just a woman disguised as a guy. Yeah. On the 15th of November, 1720, pirate hunter Captain Jonathan Burnett took Rackman's crew by surprise when they were hosted a rum party with another crew of the Englishmen near Girl Point off the west coast of the colony of Jamaica. And this is basically when all the pirates were drunk only Reed and Bonnie fought, and then they were all captured. So maybe they had a little bit less to drink or could hold it a bit better than the guys? Pretty much. Hmm. Hmm. Reed, Sounds like a movie. Yeah, it should be a movie because these two were, like, awesome. I mean, it's in a game, so halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> So, after both Bonnie and Reed claimed that they were pregnant, Reed died of a violent fever while in prison. Her 28th of April, 1721 burial is in the records of St. Catherine's Church in Jamaica. There is no record of the burial of her baby, suggesting that she may have died while she was pregnant. That's a bit sad and anticlimactic. Yeah, she... Where Bonnie was left in mystery, Reed died from a fever, which is pretty sad. Mm. So if they did do a movie, probably Reed would be a supporting role, and Bonnie would probably be the main character. Probably. Ooh. I can see it. See it now. Yes. TM, TM, TM. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we don't have the money to be producers, but we're on board. Yeah. <laughs> now, that leaves the goat. Yep, Sadie the goat. <laughs> I'm really excited about this one. Okay. She's great. She's absolutely great. <laughs> I, I really want to know what, why she's called Sadie the goat. Oh, yeah. That's explained. You, it, it is. You'll find out. But again, I cannot stress how funny the drunk ep- drunk history episode is on Sadie the Goat. I, I liked watching that one. Wonderful. All right. Tell me about it. She was not as vicious with her claws as dead rabbit's hellcat Maggie, 
nor as big and strong as the Amazon River foot bouncer named Gallus Meg. But Sadie the Goat Farrell made more money than both women combined when she was the queen of the New York waterfront. Sadie Farrell was born and raised in the slums of the Fourth Ward near the East River. As a young girl, she hung around the street hustlers and thieves, and by 1869, she was making a name for herself. Slight of build, but mean and vicious, Sadie usually worked the streets around the docks in concert with a male, with a male companion, who gave her the muscle backup she needed. When a mark emerged drunk from one of the local dives, Sadie would take a running start, then ran the top of her head into the victim's stomach. This was a dangerous maneuver since sometimes the person delivering the headbutt does more damage to themselves than the intended victim. But Sadie was a pro, and she made sure only the top of her head made contact with the victim's gut and not sensitive areas like her nose and forehead. The headbutt stopped the victim in his tracks, and as soon as he turned his attention to Sadie, her male companion used a slingshot to propel a rock to the side of the victim's head. If that didn't work, a bat or a slap always did the trick. Then Sadie and her partner would take everything of value from the unconscious Mark, even his shirt, pants, and shoes. This was small-time work for Sadie, but it still puffed up her reputation on the east side docks. I think I figured out why goat. Yep, headbutting goat. <laughs> That's genius. Perfect. I love it. Not disappointed. <laughs> yep, she lives up to her namesake. Wonderful. One day, Sadie made the mistake of having one too many belts in the hole in the wall bar on Dover Street, just two blocks from the East River. The bouncer at the hole in the wall was a six-foot female creature from England named Gullis Meg. Meg patrolled the bar with a small bat strapped to her wrist, which she was not reticent to use on unruly customers. If after a few whacks on the head, the drunk was still feisty, Meg would then wrap him in a headlock, then bite off one of his ears before she flung him out the front door. The ear would then go into a jug of alcohol, which Meg proudly displayed behind the bar. The jars filled with ears behind the bar were called Gallus Meg's trophy case. Sadie being an Irish and Meg being from England, this was just an accident waiting to happen. It's not certain who started slurs first, but it's a good bet that it was Sadie, and that was not a smart thing to do. Meg, who was twice Sadie's size, bopped Sadie on the head a few times with the bat, but Sadie still flailed away at Meg with a vengeance. Another not smart thing to do. Meg enveloped Sadie's head with her massive arms, and in a flash, one of Sadie's ears had detached from the side of her head. Meg deposited Sadie on a rump on Dover Street and then deposited Sadie's ear in an alcohol-filled jug and proudly displayed it behind the bar. Meg even scripted on the jug, Sadie the goat's ear. Disgraced and disheartened, Sadie took her show on the road and wound up on the west side docks, clear around to the other side of Manhattan from her former haunts. One day while wandering around trying to figure out how to make a score, Sadie witnessed members of the Charlton Street Gant gang unsuccessfully attempting to board a small sloop anchored in the middle of the North River, now called Hudson River. The Charlatan Street Gang was so inept and disorganized that the ship's crew had no trouble beating them back and beating them up in the process. Sadie figured with her 
expertise direction, the gang would do much better than it did before if she were the boss. So Sadie helped the gang members lick their wounds and convinced them with her brains and their brawn they could make a very successful team indeed. A few days later, with Sadie leading the gang, they were able to hijack a much larger sloop and with the Jolly Roger skull and crossbones flying from their masthead. Captain Sadie led the gang up and down the North and Harlem Rivers, up to Poughkeepsie's and beyond. They raided small villages, robbing poor people's farmhouses and riverside mansions of the rich. Because ocean liners and major shipping vessels were so well protected, Sadie and her crew concentrated on raiding smaller up-the-river merchant ships instead. Sadie was so into her river pirate routine, she began reading voraciously on pirate history and pirate lore. After discovering the pirates had once kidnapped Julius Caesar, she ordered her crew to go on a kidnapping spree. In the spirit of old pirate traditions, some true, some contrived, Sadie even forced several members of her own gang to walk the plank if they did not do exactly as she demanded. For several months, Sadie and her crew were extremely successful in their endeavors. They stashed their booty in several hiding places until they could dispose of it for cold, hard cash, though the various fences along the north and east rivers. One of these fences was Marmandelbaum, Marmandelbaum, who threw her store on Clinton Street. She was said to be the largest fence on the entire east coast of America. But all good things must come to an end. And fences, I'm pretty sure, were just like merchants that would sell stolen goods. I'm pretty sure that's what a fence is. Yeah. Just don't buy the stolen stuff. And essentially, money laundering before it was a thing. Yes. Okay. So, all good things must come to an end. After several homeowners were murdered by Sadie and the Charlton Street Gang, the upstate Hudson Valley residents banded together and formed a force of resistance. The farm folk ambushed the Charlton Street Gang as it came ashore, and police patrolling New York's harbor stopped them from pillaging the small merchant ships on the North River. Soon, so many of the gang members were killed that Sadie was forced to abandon her pirating ways. What was left of the Charlton Street Gang went back to the West Side docks, and soon they were completely disbanded. Sadie decided to return to her old haunts in the Fourth Ward, where she was now hailed as Queen of the Waterfront. With the cash she had earned from her pirating days, Sadie opened up her own gin mill. Soon after Sadie's return to the East Side docks, the Hole in the Wall bar was the site of the seven murders in just two months. As a result, the New York City police shut down the Hole in the Wall bar for good. But before the last call at the Hole in the Wall, Sadie visited Gallus Meg. The two girls made up, and Meg was so gracious, she went behind the bar, retrieved Sadie's pickled ear, and returned it to its rightful owner. Sadie wore her severed ear in a locket around her neck for the rest of her life. Ew. Yeah. But Sadie lived to be a old woman, so at least she didn't die. Yeah. I mean, let's see. She went from street urchin thief with a unique thieving style to river pirate to gin producer manufacturer person. And yeah, that 
That's a good life, probably. Yeah. Beatrice, for sure. Well, she made her name for herself, though. Yeah, that's for sure. And she had a lot of money by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And she got out of it in one piece. Yeah. Well, no, no, well, two pieces. Two pieces. Two pieces, sorry. <laughs> yep. Well. That's all that I really have on all the female pirates. Still, though, that's that's pretty pretty cool. I didn't know they actually had pirates in the U.S. that was, like, in the rivers, inside. Like, I thought it was all coastal stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, pirating was huge along the U.S. right before it. Like, like there's a solid, solid period before, like, steamships became a thing that pirating was huge around here, which was really uh, cool. Crazy. Yeah. Really awesome. Okay. I'm learning things. Yeah, but aren't Anne Bonnie, Mary Reed, and Sadie the Goat just complete badasses? Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. I mean, to get known as, like, the badass chick that had butts people perfectly every time. Yeah. And not to mention that the the bouncer at that bar, that's that's pretty kind of badass itself. Yeah. Having their own ear trophy case. It's just like, that. that's a statement. Gallus Meg, yeah, six foot tall woman who just didn't take shit from anyone. Like I'm, I'm getting a lot of like stereotypical Broomhilda type vibes, of how she might appear, even though she was English. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tall, strong, and you kind of had to be rough around the edges in that area that like time. I'm, I'm picturing beefy arms. Probably. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think Sadie really stood much of a chance against her. Oh, not at all. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. but Okay. Yeah, no, they were all pretty good. And that was in, like, mid-1800s? Uh, are you talking Sadie or the other ones? Yeah, Sadie. The other ones were all during, like, the big pirate boom of the Caribbean area. Yeah. Um... 1869 yeah is when it mid-late late 1800s so yeah piracy was essentially dying at that point but she still did a good job yeah she's yeah awesome awesome and i mean there is modern day pirates it's just like a different it's it's not like the classic romantic pirating yeah. notions it's a little bit more difficult yeah and dangerous I mean, once you add rocket launchers into the mix, then then things just change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I thought these were fun parts to cover, and yeah, it was all pretty good. And she's the old Sadie's the only one that didn't have to dress up as a dude. Yep. She was the only one that didn't have to cross-dress. Sweet. Yeah. Um, hmm. yeah. What, who, out of the three, though, who was your favorite? I mean, her name is Sadie the Goat. So, it it was my favorite even before we started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, though, like, out of who was probably the most badass, I'd almost go with 
with Anne Bonny. Probably, yeah. But Sadie's my favorite. Nice. <laughs> nice. I also wanted to say uh, thank you to our listeners, too, because we have 600 downloads by the time that this episode comes out. So, yay. yay. We really appreciate you guys listening. We're more than halfway to 1,000. Woo! I'm excited. I'm pumped. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but with that, John, John, do you want to take us out? Sure. If you liked what you heard, and I mean, I did, so why wouldn't you? You can email us any sort of topics you want us to go over and maybe put our opinions on at violinvice at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on our Facebook page. That's Vice Podcast. And as well as on Instagram at Vice Podcast. Or follow us on Twitter and send us everything you like. Maybe even weird, funny pictures. And you can find that at Vice. No ampersands in any of them. It is full-on word. A-N-D. And if you really, really like us and you, or you want to hear other stories where Audie scares me even further, you can support us at patreon.com slash violinvice. Aside from that, you should be subscribed. Five stars. Write a review. We love that stuff. It's a ton of fun, guys. Um, and we, we are putting out more content at least once a month, if not more. And you guys should really do it. It, it is disturbing uh for me audie is laughing the entire time but i i am genuinely disturbed by a lot of it it's just payback for all the times you teased me when we were younger i know it is but it still doesn't make it less disturbing (laughs) anywho uh we really appreciate you guys for subscribing uh for downloading our podcast for supporting us on patreon and we will see you guys next week Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Reback. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash violinvice. Or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you. <laughs>